Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and we are here with another human design episode where we're going to talk about, we're going royal in this episode. I did it. I had to go here. Um, I'm doing these every month. Uh, I'm doing a celebrity reading. So somebody we all know. I think this is really helpful to see human design in action, where we can take a look at somebody that we, we're all aware of their behavior. This is not about judgment, but it's about being able to say, okay, collectively, we, we can see what this person is doing. We've observed them and hopefully putting opinion aside, we can take a look at what's happening. And then I can do kind of a layover of the chart and talk about what's in their design and how their design can maybe influencing the behavior that we're seeing or where it might be coming up. So we did one on Taylor Swift. If you haven't listened to that one, go back to that one because that one was really fun. Um, and we're going to do, we're, we're going to, this, this one's going to be a little bit different in the sense that we're not going to just look at just one chart, although we are going to focus mostly on Prince Harry or formerly Prince Harry, the artist formerly known as Prince Harry. Um, we're going to focus on him. I did read his book because I really wanted to have my own opinion. I wanted to have my own experience with the book. There's a lot being said about him. Obviously, he and Meghan Markle have been in the news pretty much since they got together. It hasn't stopped, and there are very strong feelings about them. And so I'm going to touch on some of the aspects of their design together, what the energy dynamics can be between them. But I'm also really going to be looking at the uh, and touching on what drove Harry to maybe write this book or some of the things that I see in the chart. And like I said, I'm not interested in opinion. I'm not interested in my opinion. I really try to stay objective when I do any sort of reading. And honestly, I try to stay objective now. Human design has helped me stay a lot more objective in my life rather than just emotionally reacting in a way where I take what I see personally or I get my own, I get my own beliefs and thoughts wrapped up in it. Um, as my husband put it, he's like, human design has softened you. <laughs> um, and really because I look at it through the lens of we all have our designs and there's, there's honestly, there's nothing wrong with any of us. It's just a matter of is our energy going to be used in a way that is high expression, high frequency? Or is it going to be maybe where we're operating in what we call the not self, where we might see more of that low frequency, low expression being expressed and experienced out in the world? Um, in his book, just a brief overview of the book. If you don't know, he, he recently came out with a book called Spare, which is, um, Spare comes from the way that he was referred to as being the, you know, William was the heir to the throne and he was the spare. Um, he took it that, um, there was some rumor that his father had said that after he was born, kind of as a joke, it seemed like, you know, oh, you gave me an heir, now you gave me a spare. Um, my work here is done, I believe was the line that he supposedly said to Diana when Harry was born. And then apparently, the, according to Harry, the press ran with that and they referred to him as spare for a long time. Um, most of this book is really about the press and his relationship with the press. 
You can feel his anger and resentment toward the press, particularly, you know, specifically the paparazzi press, um, that obviously that killed his mother and that he has been, had this unwilling relationship with his entire life. And then the book goes into some other accusations. His assessments are that his family and they, his family and the palace's relationship with the press is toxic and causing a lot of the problems that they have as a family because the press is so intimately involved in their lives and there's so much, so much of what they do and how they operate has to do with what the press will think. What will the press write? We can't fight this because then they'll come after us about this. Everything has some sort of political PR sort of focus. And everyone in the family has their own PR team that are not working together and they're working against each other because what's good for my client maybe is for your client to look bad. That's his, that, that is what he is asserting in this book. So without going into the merits of any of it, if he's telling the truth, if it sounds plausible, if I'm not really interested in that, what I want to do is just sort of break down some of the things I pulled his chart and I also pulled like everyone in the family. I wanted to see what the family dynamic was and why maybe what was jumping out at us. Um, obviously I can't do a reading for every single person, but I can pull out little, there, there's some highlights in here that I think are worth mentioning. Um, about why people are attracted to each other, what, what the, what these people together, how when we have a group of people together, energetically, the people change. Um, as a group, we're different than we are on our own. And some of the things, some of the themes that were brought up in the book very much have to do with him feeling like an outsider. Um, I don't think he felt like his brother really connected with him, that they were close when they were kids. Their mother died. They were still close, but I think they both had trauma that they were dealing with and they dealt with it in their own way. And then as they got older, it became more about him being the heir and Harry being the spare and it became competitive between the two of them where even um, they had to have their own agendas, their own pet projects, their own charities, that if they did anything together, it felt very competitive. And it seems like he felt like he was being overshadowed or that his brother didn't want him to overshadow him, that that William did not want Harry to overshadow him. So I want to break down Harry's chart a little bit. First of all, Harry is an emotional manifesting generator. And why that's important to know is, again, we're always talking about strategy and authority. The strategy and authority is so important, particularly as an emotional authority, because if we're not following strategy and authority, then we're in the not self. So there's two paths that you can go down. You can go down the path of alignment and, and your truth, or you can go down the path of the not self, which leads to suffering in general. Now, just some of the overarching themes here, as a manifesting generator, Harry is here, his purpose here, and William is the same, and so is, um, and so is Prince Charles, uh, King Charles now. Um, they're all manifesting generators. Only King Charles is not emotional, and William is. Um, 
the queen and um, the queen and Princess Diana were both projectors. And Kate is a generator, a pure generator, and Meghan Markle is a pure generator as well. So we have this breakdown. Um, but as an emotional manifesting generator, Harry is here to love the work that he does. Generators, we're all here to know ourselves. And we know ourselves not through what we know about ourselves. We know ourselves by what we respond to, what we respond to and how we respond to it. That is how we are on our path of self-discovery. Now, projectors, they're here for other people. They're not here for themselves necessarily. That's not what their job is here to, that their job here on earth is not to be wise about themselves. They're here to be wise about the other. It's why they receive more. It's why they, their aura is penetrating. They can pick up on things that, that the rest of us can't. But generators, manifesting generator or regular generator, we're here to know about ourselves. And we know about ourselves through what we respond to and the work that we do. What we love, we're here to fall in love with the work, with the things that we do, that our purpose is so, is, is so personal and it is so important to us to know it. And now if you're, if you've been following the show for a while, you've been diving into your designer, even if you've listened to me once, probably you know this, that generators manifesting or regular generators are not here to do what you should do. We're not here to follow the shoulds. In fact, that is the fastest path because that is not following our strategy to respond. We're just doing what we're told or we're doing what we think we have to do, moving and acting out of obligation. That will automatically take you on a path of the not self. That is the fastest track to living a life that feels really wrong. Like you're just wearing clothes that don't fit. Like this life is really uncomfortable. Now, if you think about being a royal, the way that he describes it, and I don't think it's described terribly differently by most people who are part of a royal family, you're a working royal, your job is you go where they tell you to go. You live where they tell you to live. You do what they tell you to do. You are not, you're not really given a choice. So even if your response is, I don't want to do that, you don't get to say no. And he lays out many times in the book about all the, t all the times that he really wasn't given a choice or where he, he had an opinion. He stated his opinion. He asked for what he wanted and he didn't get it. He didn't have the permission to do that. He was overridden. And this is a constant theme throughout the book. So even if we just take that one theme of the, the, the idea of generators being in a system like that, where you are so subordinate in such a strong hierarchy, where you're not able to pursue a purpose, you're not able to truly do what lights you up, then you're probably not going to be happy most of the time. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be in the not self theme of frustration. You're not going to be in that, in that aligned theme of being satisfied. Now, the times that he, he expresses that he was satisfied, that he was truly happy, were the times where he was able to put work into things that, that he had a reaction to. So he talked about going to the warrior games here in America. And that was a, uh, it's a, it's like an Olympics for, for wounded veterans. 
And he went to that and he was so moved by it that he, his reaction, his response was, I have to bring this to Britain. So he goes home and orchestrates this, gets a team together and puts this whole thing together where they called it the Invictus Games in Britain. Now that's him using strategy and authority. He's just like, this is, this is right for me. He talks about it being one of the happiest times of his life. One of the most satisfying and soul affirming things he's ever done. And, and it had a ripple effect on thousands of people on the veterans who they were able to help on the families of those veterans who got to see those people, see the people they loved light up again and feel like they brought them back. So this is how, when you live in, in alignment, when you're following your strategy and your authority, you can have impact on yourself, but also impact on the greater community around you. So that's one example from the book that I saw where the difference between being out of alignment and in alignment and just in general, just how this type of structure is really not suited for his type. Also not for William's type and not for Charles's type either. Um, but everybody's, it's honestly the, it's not for any of their types. <laughs> this type of structure is not, is not conducive for most of them being told what to do all the time. Now, the other aspect I wanted to bring up is his emotional authority. Being an emotional authority is obviously the, the mantra for that is there, there is no truth in the now. Now our authority is our wisest voice. That is how we make aligned decisions. It's how we choose whether the response we're getting is right for us. As emotionals, if we make hasty decisions, if we move too quickly, just because something feels good because we're riding the high end of a wave, um, or because we are emotionally charged about something, emotions for us are so powerful, so powerful. They are in us. The whole world feels our emotions and it fuels the world's emotions, what we have going on inside of us. We are the energy of emotions. So when we are acting emotionally or out of an emotional state, we kind of throw that emotion into every choice that we make, which is why we have to wait. We wait out the wave, as we say. We wait out so that we can feel into all of the different emotions that we have and know that with a point of, there's a point of clarity that we come to that this is right for me. This, I know this is the right step. Now, if you're a generator or a manifesting generator, you know, whether it's, it's the right next step, you don't know what the next step is going to look like because it's going to be in another response. We don't get to choose. We get to choose what we respond to. We get to choose how, what we do, whether we go into something hastily or we take our time. Now, for him, if we think about maybe the hasty decisions, um, he and Megan got married very, very quickly. They had a quick courtship. They had a quick marriage. Um, you know, I, I think once she moved in, it was not very long after that, that he proposed and then they kicked off the whole wedding thing, which that's, he, he also has this, this, uh, channel of transitoriness, which is the channel, uh, the, the 35, 36 channel. Um, going from the solar plexus to the throat. Now, this is a channel 
that is about experience. It's about emotionally charged experiences. And if you jump into things too fast, it can create chaos. Um, on the high end, it's this very adventurous spirit to try new things, to experience new things. It's the experiential way. I don't know by thinking. I don't know by learning. I, I learn by doing. That's kind of the, a, a theme of this channel. Um, which is also that it's kind of a jack of all trades channel where you don't necessarily dive deep into things and stay there. It's for the experience. I got in, I had the experience. Now I'm moving on. Now, when you have this channel and when you make decisions in the wave, as opposed to waiting out the wave, when you haven't dealt with your emotions and you haven't, and, and you haven't fully connected with them or processed the emotions that you have. And we'll get to a little bit more of that theme in just a second. Um, it creates chaos in the world. Now it doesn't mean that the decision itself was wrong. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have married Megan. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done it then. It's the process can make a good decision chaos. If you go into something too quickly, if you haven't fully landed in it, then you bring all of that emotion into the decision that you made. And that's what creates chaos, craziness, uncertainty. And now it's, it's like the decision, whatever you're entering into is now tainted with all of that emotion. It's charged with all of that emotion. So this is just one of the ways where, where we can look at strategy and authority and see maybe how, how this wasn't fully in alignment the way that, that these things played out. Um, again, not a judgment on the choice itself, but just looking purely from a mechanical standpoint of the way the decisions were made, the timing of them. Um, he doesn't seem terribly con connected to his emotions. This is a death sentence for, or, or at least a, maybe not a death sentence, but when you're not connected to your emotions as an emotional authority, then you're doomed to act emotionally and the emotions will rule your frequency. They're going to mess everything up. They're going to create chaos in your life. And they're going to every, all of the emotions that you haven't dealt with, if it's sadness, if it's anger, if it's fear, whatever those emotions are, you're going to see them out in your world everywhere <laughs> because they are living in you and they are pulling the strings. We are emotional beings. This is true. If we don't process emotions for anyone, whether you're open emotionally or you're emotionally defined it doesn't matter. You're still, everyone has to process their emotions. We have different ways of doing it. But when you're emotionally defined, you're all full of emotion already. Now, if we take some circumstantial emotion, if we take trauma and we put it into that already very busy, very active emotional solar plexus, and we pack that in, then suddenly we're overflowing with emotion. And it's all we see. Now you hear a lot. There's a lot of his anger at the press very well could be tied to the fact that he never, until he was 
you know, just a few years ago, I think he never really spoke about his mother's death. No one ever talked to these kids. If there was anything that made me angry in this book, it was that. It was the fact that these boys, their mother died when I think he was 11 when she passed. And for your mother to die violently, for your mother to die at the hands of people who've scared you your whole life, who are continuing to take your photograph, and for nobody to like give you a counselor or your father or anyone to sit you down and say, do you want to talk about mom? Um, I think is just... Sorry, it's making me very emotional right now thinking about that, how, how irresponsible that is. <laughs> um, but, you know, also quite British. And I say that as someone who has a lot of British blood in me. Um, we don't deal with emotions. It's, you know, th- there's that stoic quality of, of that, you know, Anglo-Saxon kind of, kind of upbringing. But I'm not, I'm not making a judgment about it. I just, you can see it. So all of the anger he has at the press, all of this, everything that has happened is because he never was able to process how angry he was at the press for killing his mother, for taking the most nurturing person in his life away, because it does seem like it was a very cold existence, um, and a very, a very sterile existence otherwise, um, that she was the warmth. And then that was taken away. Um, that he was never able to deal with the fact that they interfered to in his estimation, they destroyed every relationship he ever had because the paparazzi hound and chased and stalked every girlfriend he ever had, anyone he ever cared about and drove them mad. Apparently one of them committed suicide. Um, you know, there's casualties of this and he never dealt with that anger. And by not dealing with that anger, now that causes every single thing that happens to Meghan Markle, every single bad piece of press that she got incensed him. It felt like an attack. It felt like you're not going to take this one away from me. Why? Because you're operating through your wounding. When, when we don't process emotions, it leaves a wound. If the wound isn't healed, then we look at the world through the lens of that wound. And if that wound is the paparazzi ruins everything I care about, they killed my mother, they've taken every woman I've ever cared about away from me, then every single step that they take, every single thing that they do, and I'm not excusing anything that they do, but why it bothers him more than it bothers other people in the family who seem to tell him to go and brush it off, He literally can't because he's so full of the emotion from it. All the emotion that's been pent up for 30 years and it's not being processed. So he's seeing it everywhere. He sees enemies everywhere, including in his own family. Now, um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up is, you know, that there's, when we talk about energy dynamics, you have somebody who is, um, like King Charles who not emotional. So being raised by a man who's not emotional and, and you're emotional, you're for King Charles, his emotion, the emotions that William and, and Harry were feeling when 
the not self of, of the undefined solar plexus is either overreactive where I need to fix everyone's emotions or repressed where it's like, Oh my God, just get me away from anything emotional. I don't want to talk about anything emotional. I don't want to be near it. And you run away. And it seems like he did the latter. He ran away. It seemed like he did not want to be part of that conversation. He did not, it did not make him comfortable. They avoid conflict. They avoid, they avoid emotional experiences and emotional moments and environments. So with that, if you're an emotional being, it feels, it can feel like the other person is kind of running away from you or not accepting of you, especially if you have emotion that isn't processed. If you have emotions that are unhealthy, basically that they're living in you and kind of festering like a wound, then that can feel very uncomfortable to someone like King Charles, who is, has a heightened sense of other people's emotions because where we're white in the chart. We experience other people's emotions on, on 200%. So, um, that was just another thing that I wanted to call out there. Now, if I go back to Harry, um, he and Meghan Markle have some, some key, what we call electromagnetic channels where they have, where Harry has one side of the channel and Meghan has the other. Um, and then that's when sparks fly. That's when it can just feel like, like I, I, where have you been my whole life? And with, with this, um, what we have, Harry also has a split definition. He has a small split and he's split in seven ways, meaning there are seven ways, seven gates that could bridge his split. What that means is he's going to experience that as those things are missing from him. And when someone comes into your aura that has one of those things, it's, it literally is you complete me, you complete me. And Megan has one of those. She has one of those gates and well, she actually has more than one of those gates. She has two, I believe. Um, she has two of those gates. So there's two ways that they come together and she makes him feel complete in a way that he's never felt before. And he does the same thing for her. So this is where, um, she has, he, he completes her in one place and she completes him in two. Now, of course, it's not truly completing us. It makes us feel like everything is flowing well. And it's always interesting to look at your partner's chart and, and lay it over yours and see if you have any of those electromagnetic channels, because that's what happens when you come into contact with people who complete and bridge your split, then it's just, there's just this inner feeling where it's like, I don't know what it is, but I just feel so good when that person's around. I just love them. And it happens like instantly. And he talks about there was instant sparks flying between them. Um, so, so there is that. And what, what it also says with, with being, with being able to be bridged in seven places, that seven possibilities for you. The great thing about it is that you can feel very connected to lots of people because a lot of people are going to bridge your split. So that can make you feel really connected and people feel really connected to you. And then there's also this feeling of that you can feel like a lot of things are missing from you. And with his open ego, um, you do hear this, this feeling of not feeling good enough. I mean, the book's called spare, uh, you know, not only is he not the heir to the throne, he felt like a second class citizen. There's many, there are many elements in the book times where he called out that, 
He felt, he felt, you know, kind of passed aside. He felt not important. He felt like, you know, my room was all the way on the other side with like the staff quarters and I wasn't with everybody else. And like, he remembers those details. Why? Because well, with a wide open ego and no activations in it, the not self, when you're living as the not self is to feel like I need to prove myself and I'm not good enough. So what did he do? He spent his life trying to prove himself and always feeling like it would never be enough because that's the trap of the open ego is you keep doing things. You keep trying to prove yourself no matter what you do. It never seems to fill that void. So you either look at the outside world and you think they'll never accept me. I'll never be enough for them. Or your choice is to realize that you don't have to prove yourself and you have to let go and stop running that fool's errand of trying to prove yourself to anyone because they're not looking at it. You are because you feel it because that energy feels missing from you. It is very interesting that none of them, well, uh, King Charles has, has the, the ego defined, but he and his brother don't. They both have an open ego, which to me is such a beautiful thing. People with an open ego can, can, when you don't have anything to prove, then you just, you, you move and operate out of your strengths and your gifts. But the trap is, is that there is such a need to prove ourselves in this world that people with the open ego end up pouring a ton of energy into that gap. And it leaves nothing but sorrow because you just feel like you are not enough. That's also a trait of that 3536 channel that he has, which is a feeling of inadequacy in the low frequency. So when you're not following strategy and authority, when you're not following your human design, when you're not living by your design, then all of these not self themes tend to show up big time in your life. They become repeating. When you follow strategy and authority, when you're following your design, when you recognize what your strengths are and where you're open and how the openness can be your strength, if you start looking at it differently, then your life starts to change. Then you naturally live in a higher frequency. Then you're attracting the right things to you and life gets better and better and better. Um, I, I wanted to uh, just, the last thing that I want to touch on here is I, I'd, I'd like to bring up, well, there's two things. One is Meghan Markle. Um, she is a five one, um, as her profile. And so is Kate, actually. She is a five one. And so is the queen. Queen was a five one. So lots of five ones in this family and, and all women <laughs> and five ones. And, and William is also a two five, which is a bit different, but, um, the two five can really explain why he, and to Harry, he felt very, very withdrawn. Um, the two is the hermit. They really do like to withdraw, particularly if they feel like projections are coming at them. The two five can be very reclusive, especially if they feel attacked, especially if they feel like they are not being seen fairly, they will just retreat and retreat and retreat. But the five one, um, the, the projection field of the five one is so, is so real. So if you're listening to this and you have an opinion of Meghan Markle, um, then I, I do caution you with this, that the opinion that you have 
very well may not be about her. The, the five one holds up a, it's like a foggy mirror that you think you're looking at them, but you're not, you're kind of looking at yourself or the projections of others can so easily be reflected off of that person that you start to see what others see, what others are saying about them. And you're not really seeing them. It can be a very unfair treatment for these people. And I'm saying that as a five, one, I've seen this happen in my own life. I'm not absolving her of any behavior. I'm not, but I have observed how some of the criticism sometimes is founded and sometimes feels a little flimsy or it feels just like repeated stuff. And the truth is, is that none of us know the truth because none of us are there. So I always try to keep an open mind when I see five, one, um, they're typically very polarizing figures and, and they can also get very, very defensive because you grow up sort of feeling attacked. You grow up feeling, um, treated differently than others, either lifted up way high because people are seeing you as this savior and wonderful. And we did see this with her. It was like Meghan Markle was like the hottest thing in the world for like a minute. And then she became the most hated woman in the world pretty much ever since. And that's very much the journey of a five one. So I'm always cautioning myself and other people to have an open mind about those people and to not believe everything that you read and not believe everything that you even think that you see really question yourself. Am I really seeing that? Or is that somehow, am, am I projecting on that person? Either something I have heard or something that I feel about them because they can evoke a feeling of like, I don't know why I just don't like that person. That is one of the most common things you hear five ones say is that people tell me all the time. People tell me all the time. They're like, I didn't think I'd like you. And I'm like, why you didn't know me? Like people I had no history with at all come up and they're just like, you know, I didn't think I'd like you when I first met you. I'm like, why? And they're like, I don't know. And that is, it, it happens all the time. So just, I wanted that little side note there. The other thing that I wanted to mention is just Harry's, Harry's incarnation cross, which is the, the, the cross of Eden. And there's what, what that can lead to is this is, it's an emotional life and what it can lead to with his conscious son in gate six is this feeling of it's searching for intimacy, searching for, um, there, there can be this idea and this feeling of being wronged because six is the gate of conflict. So high frequency, it's diplomacy, high expression. It's diplomacy, low expression, conflict for conflict's sake. Now, I don't know what will come out of this book. I don't know what will come out of this whole campaign that he and Megan have, 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 you know, embarked on. I don't know. What I would guess, and from what I took from reading the book, is that he feels like this crusade is one against the press and against the way that the palace interacts with the press and the way that his family interacts with the press. And he's willing to lose relationships with them because he believes this is right. And he believes that the papers should pay. And he believes that, that he needs to be the one who pulls back the curtain. Now, right, wrong, 
truthful, not truthful. I, I don't know. That's not what my opinion is about. I'm only saying from the perspective of his incarnation cross is that this cross can feel it's the conscious sun six, uh, conscious earth 36, and then unconscious sun is 12 and the unconscious earth is 11. And when we put these together, when we get this kind of general theme, we have this theme of conflict, diplomacy, and friction, um, you know, ranging from low, from the high and low frequencies, um, the, then we have the ex, you know, rooted in experience and a bit of crisis in low frequency. So conflict gives way to crisis or experience and diplomacy, um, an adventure and diplomacy and being able to see something through to see something better. There's a theme with this cross of being able to kind of carrying the, the, the pain of the past can be a real negative drive to, to the actions of somebody who has this cross. People have wronged me. People have let me down. People have, can be rooted in that feeling of disappointment and fighting emotionally to get back to and or, or finding fault and drama in other people's stuff thinking that you're going to resolve it. Think you're go- thinking you're going to right the wrongs because remember it's the, the cross of Eden is like the garden of Eden. I know it can be better. I know it can be perfect here. If I could only fix it, if I could only fix this, the problem is, is sometimes we can have impossible standards. Sometimes we can be carrying the past into this feeling of, I can make it perfect. I can make it better. I can get us back there. And it's looking out and saying, these are all the things and all the people that did me wrong. And if I can just correct them, then we can live in the light. Truth, not truth. Can that work? I don't know. But I do see this sort of playing out in what we're seeing him do right now. I do think that that is what at least he believes he's doing. I'm not making an opinion about whether he's right or not or whether it'll work or not, or whether he's even able to look at this objectively um, from with all of the experience that he's carrying into this. But do I see those themes playing out? Do I see this idea that he's he has he feels like he can make this better and bring the palace and Britain and people and his family back to a place of light and love and and openness? I do think that that is what he believes he's doing. I do think that that's what he thinks he'll accomplish with this book. I don't know. Now on the low frequency of that can be a little bit of, and I get to stick it to them and I get to be right. There, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist in there either, but this is, this is a theme that when I, when I looked at his chart, I, you know, charts always make me go, ha. Huh. <laughs> And, and this was no different. I really did feel that in what I saw. And, you know, you also have he and Megan, the last thing I'll say is he and Megan, one of their electromagnetic channels is, uh, the, the, the 2750, which is in, it connects the sacral to the spleen. And this is the channel of preservation and the channel of preservation is about preserving like the family. It's about the tribe It's part of the defense circuit. There are two channels in the defense circuit, the 2750 and the 596. 
The 59.6 is the emotional side of it. And the 50, 27, the 2750 is the survival side of taking care of the tribe, taking care of your people, taking care of, it's called the defense circuit. This is the one that defends the tribe. These are the two channels, the energies that are there to nurture and take care and make sure that the tribe survives and to take care of them. Now, whenever I see that these channels at play, there's always this, if, if you, if you try to hurt my family, if I feel like I have something to defend, you better watch out. Now he and Megan complete one of these channels together. So he actually doesn't have both sides of these when she's gone, when she's not there, but put her in the mix. And suddenly he has the entire defense circuit. They have that together as a unit. They are, they are ready to defend their family for better or for, for worse, right or wrong. That is an energy that exists when the two of them come together. So I do think that we're seeing that as well. And I always see that when I, whenever I see defense circuitry, particularly the 59.6 is very emotionally charged. Um, I have the 59.6. There can be a, like, you better not step to my people kind of energy to that. And cause it's, it's very emotionally charged. It's incredibly powerful. So that's, I think where I'm going to leave this one. Um, there's been a lot of information here, but I hope that you saw I hope I explained and illustrated a little bit about how these charts do pull the strings. Like our energy in our chart is, is constantly being, being projected and, and acted out in our world and whether we know it's there or not. So understanding what our energy is, what do you have consistently? What are you defined in? Are you in a healthy expression of your definition where it's being used in a high frequency? And are you in a, are you in a healthy expression of, have you deconditioned your openness? Have you learned to look at it differently than you did before? Then the world taught you to look at it. When you do, you get to a level of self-acceptance that is beyond anything that you've ever experienced before. And when you're that way, when you are at that level of self-expression, uh, of self-acceptance, when you're at that level of self-acceptance, and when you're at that level of self-love, then there's just a deep, deep, deep trust. It makes it easier to move in this life because you know how to move. I know I move when I respond. I know how I wait. I know how I make decisions. I'm no longer following these patterns associated with my openness and the conditioning of those centers. I'm no longer pouring energy into these gates and these energies that I perceive as missing from me. I no longer operate as the not self. Great, great confidence comes from that. So I hope that I illustrated uh, how that played out in Harry, the former Duke of Sussex, <laughs> how this plays out in his chart and what I, what I observed from reading his book, Spare. Um, I also wanted to call out just, we have a few contests running right now. If you love this show and you would like to be given a human design reading, a coaching session here on the show with me live, um, you can, you can submit a review on iTunes. There's, this is the steps to submit for the contest. Um, submit a review on iTunes, take a snapshot, take that screenshot, put it on Instagram stories, tag me. I'm at Nicole Lano official and you're done. That's all you have to do. 
I will take a, my team will take down a, uh, that screenshot and that will be your entry. And then we will announce, we'll reach out to you if you won and you get to come onto the show, you get to showcase your business and you get to have a free human design session with me on the show. How fun is that? I hope that you enter. I hope that you are, I hope that you are the winner and then I get to dive into your chart with you. Cause I just absolutely love reading charts. Um, but we also have two free guides for you. If you're interested in understanding how you can achieve flow and productivity, meaning achieve more, produce more without working more. Um, according to your human design, we have a flow ductivity guide. You can get that at nicoleano.me forward slash productivity. And then we also have a deconditioning guide, which is the first step in the deconditioning process. Just understanding what the not self voices might be that you're hearing, how they show up for you. And we have a little bit of, uh, of a guide on how you can use that information, how you can start to decondition according to your design. So we have that at nicoleano.me forward slash decondition. So please go pick up those, those guides, enter the contest. Please DM me on Instagram. If you'd like to tell me what you think of the show, or if you have any questions, I love hearing from you guys. I get such wonderful messages from people saying how this show has helped them so much and it warms and fills my heart. So thank you so much for that. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you all in the next episode. Remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. So go out there and be limitless, everyone. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to stay in touch with us, we would love to have you as a part of our Facebook community, Practical Manifestors. It's a community for process-driven women looking for clear and actionable steps to embodying a life of wealth and alignment. Join us at Practical Manifestors on Facebook or go to www.innerceogroup.com.